Hello everyone, William Wallace here with another episode, and for this episode, I'm going to really toe a line, and what that means is I still don't want to get into politically divisive and emotionally charged topics, but I don't want to avoid current events just because they may cause emotional reactions or political reactions, partisan reactions in some people. And so I'm going to try to delicately split some hairs and avoid those things. And really, in this particular instance, whether it's political or not, or whether uh, one of you listeners may have a political opinion about this or some sort of political connotation, really depends on your personal viewpoint. And Some of those are just going to be triggers based on different things that have happened in the world and in in the last few years. And so if you're triggered by things like this, and there's really nothing I can do from a topic or a discussion standpoint that's going to eliminate every chance that a listener may have a political or partisan reaction or an emotional reaction based on their political viewpoints to some topic. But what I want to start off with is. In a lot of video games, in a lot of movies, especially sort of older sci-fi type movies, there's this genre that, you know, in, in some circles it's referred to as cyberpunk. And that's not exactly to reference the new game, if you're familiar with, with that uh, area of entertainment. But even if you think of something like maybe a Judge Dredd or... Something like Minority Report or some of these other types of future, futuristic movies or even books that talk about a world or are set in a world in which government is less visual or, or less defined and you have these mega corporations. And, right, I mean, you maybe see this in video games more than mainstream movies. But you have this idea of a mega corporation. And that, you know, and whether these are considered dystopian or, you know, apocalyptic type genres also, it's hard to say, depending on your point of view. But the point is that in these worlds, in these, you know, realms that are created, the all-powerful entity that sets the rules and enforces them is usually a corporation. And, you know, a lot of... I suppose, actually, one uh, real good example would be Total Recall in both versions, right? You have this big corporation that's literally functions as a government. And it's not entirely new concept, Some of the charters given to different companies and whatnot in, like, you know, the British East India Company, things like that during the colonial period, uh, you know, allowed some of these companies using government charters to act as, like, territorial authorities and different things like that. So that's kind of the concept, that instead of you have a government, you have a corporation, a business that's in the business for making profit, you know, and they have assumed 
enough authority and control over you know a geographic location or whatever it is to essentially act as an authority, act as a government, and they take all kinds of different forms and different names in video games and movies and whatnot. But the point is, is that, you know, the top dog of society, so to speak, the real power, the ability to force people to do things, the ability to punish people for not doing things, to control commerce, regulate society, has evolved into being a corporation. And what that means is corporations have become political, right? Not necessarily partisan, you know, and, you know, we, I have talked about the difference between that a little bit in some of the other episodes, but, right, just because something's political doesn't necessarily mean it's partisan. Just because something's partisan doesn't necessarily mean it's political, though it probably is. You know, politics, depending on how anybody wants to define it, is often referred to as, you know, some sort of coercive allocation of resources, you know, taxing and then doing things with money from population. You know, essentially, government and how government is formulated is politics. That's where, like, political science and the whole study of, of different types of government things come in. So when I say a corporation has become political, it means they've taken on the role of a government. And there's probably some really good examples of some movies of this that I just can't think of off the top of my head. But what we've seen recently, you know, is the NFL start to take, not just the NFL, but we'll come back to the NFL. We've seen a lot of companies begin to get involved in politics. And this has really kind of been part of the social justice movement, however you want to define that. You know, but then. But then it, it became more, right? Um, it, it, you know, you have Pride Day, and then you have all these companies coming out talking about different things, about voting laws or moving operations or events or their headquarters or whatever based on different political And So basically some sort of political act is triggering a corporation into some sort of action, or at least some sort of state. Um, and they haven't necessarily done this. Many of them have been pressured to do so. And it's likely that many of them are doing it because they think the optics and the marketing and the perception is more valuable to them, to a certain group of people, if it looks like they're doing X, Y, or Z. And that's itself not necessarily, but the further they go down this path of becoming involved in trying to influence politics, the closer that these companies come to starting down that path to become that mega corporation from those video games, from those movies, where they're enforcing rules that are designed to govern how society or how society whether that's voting laws, whether it's discrimination to discrimination, whatever is the flavor of the day, the more that you know commercial enterprise to sole purpose of profit starts to dip their toes into the social governance, they're on that path, those mega 
you know, and, and maybe these movies and these video games, maybe the speculation, the imagination of these writers uh, is spot on. Maybe that is the evolution of government, is to basically give way to powerful, profit-bearing corporations. And there's a number of reasons why that might happen. I don't know if I really want to dive into that right now, because I think that that discussion would involve a number of other things as well. And you know, I don't want to turn this into a five-hour discussion. I may come back to this topic again. Because this is probably not the last time we're going to see this. But one of the examples, and I, this, this one, this is something that may trigger people depending on their perspective is, is places like Facebook and Twitter and whatever deactivating different politicians' accounts because they determine what they have to say is either misinformation or dangerous or anti-democratic or something. And what you have in those instances, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. But the fact of the matter is that corporations are taking it upon themselves to make an interpretation of a political topic and force some action against individuals because of it. That is a big step. Right? That um, and, and frankly, it's a step that really wasn't even available to corporations until sort of, at the very least, you know, the internet. But more, but more importantly, things like social media, where people's virtual lives are kind of led, right? Corporations aren't enforcing necessarily behavior changes in people outside of the digital space of the internet. But that virtual life is starting to be governed and regulated by a corporation and not by the government. And again, that triggers a whole bunch of things like free speech. And what does that mean? The Constitution, obviously, is, was initially targeted at the federal government, then it was expanded to cover the states, but it's never been interpreted really to cover corporations unless somehow they're acting on behalf of the state. And you really couldn't say that necessarily about uh, corporations. But that leads us to that thought experiment, right? As these corporations begin to act in these coercive places or these coercive tendencies to silence people or to make a judgment, no less, on what's true, on what's facts, on what's dangerous, and what's democratic. I mean, I don't ever know any business that has a monopoly on deciding what's democratic and what's not, or any other app for that thing, right? Like, I mean, I suppose Apple can decide what's considered to be Apple-esque things, you know, what, what's, what is an iPhone, what does it mean to be an iProduct, right? Okay, Apple can decide that about products, but Apple can't decide what's democratic and what's not, right? That's, they're no different than just human beings, because Again, corporations, just like government, are not entities in and of themselves. They're made up of individuals who do things under a legal construct. Uh, they're legal entities for the purpose of conducting business, but they're not legal entities in terms of having their own thoughts. Right? It's thoughts of people who happen to work in different various 
positions for those organizations or, or owners of those organizations. So, same thing with the government, right? The government doesn't have its own thoughts. People within the government thoughts. That they communicate them through whatever position they may happen to be in. And so, I mean, that's kind of a big picture of, you know, what was kind of spurring, you know, some inspiration to have a discussion about this. Because in some ways, well, I'll just put it this way, in all of those video games and movies, almost always are those mega corporations evil in some way, right? They're the bad actors. They've taken on these roles of oppressing society, basically. Likely through undemocratic processes, and let's be clear, the CEO of any business is not a democratically elected individual, right? It's they're elected by owners of property. Now, that individual process of property owners may act democratically, theoretically, to elect a CEO, or the shareholders may elect a board of representatives through voting, but it's not a politically democratic process where citizens of the country are deciding who's in charge of these corporations. So there's literally no democratic check. There's no popular vote check. There's no power of the people, so to speak, to counteract the opinions and the definitions that these corporations are coming up with themselves and then enforcing against society, or at least enforcing against their customers. Now, of course, there is the idea that, in fact, they are corporations, they're businesses, and no one is forced to use their stuff, right? And so, if you don't like what they're doing, you just turn shit off, or just don't go there. And, you know, that's going to probably trigger some cancel culture thoughts. I don't want to get into that just yet. That is a... Using those sort of lazy terms to describe a number of different things together is... It's kind of irresponsible behavior, and it makes it very hard to have an intelligent discussion about something when a definition is so broad and vague. And when a definition of something is broad and vague, it becomes invalid, just like laws that are too broad and too vague become unenforceable because they become unconstitutional because they don't even fit the definition of what a law is supposed to be. So back to the thing that happened that kind of triggered this is the NFL's coming out and telling their, well, the different NFL franchises, some rules about vaccinations. And I guess I should also say, you know, let's talk about vaccinations for a second. I'm definitely at some point going to do a monster series vaccination that's probably going to talk a lot about healthcare and history and all kinds of stuff. But ideally, that's not going to happen until the politically charged nature of vaccinations is kind of gone by. Um, I may try, if I can toe a line again and talk about vaccinations without triggering the kind of political partisan stuff I don't want to be, I don't want to do yet. I may try to just so we can get some predictions on the record. And then over the next, you know, year or two, we'll see how those predictions may play out. But at the same time, those predictions may again really trigger some emotions among people. There's just a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different levels of emotional commitment that people have to to this vaccine thing on one way or the other. And so maybe I don't want to do that. But anyway, it's a it's a thought I've had. Someday I'm going to do it. Timing is still up in the air. So having said that, the NFL comes out, you know, and you can go read it. They're going to 
force teams to forfeit and any games that gets canceled, they're not going to play the players. And the, the, the kind of the, the hook in there is that they're only triggering this. Now, that's an article that I read. I'm not going to say that that's exactly how it would play out or there's any, I haven't seen the actual memo. And we may get a correction from the NFL in a day or two because this is probably going to rub a lot of NFL fans the wrong way, given the dem- demographic of NFL fans. But unvaccinated players that cause an outbreak in their team that cause that team to then forfeit because they don't have enough people or they can't play the game due to COVID rules, their team's going to have to forfeit. And then both players from both teams aren't going to get their pay for that game. Now, all things aside, whether the NFL actually has the authority to do that under their rules and whether they would win in an arbitration dispute over that, which I can almost absolutely imagine would happen, because that doesn't seem like that was a collectively bargained uh, piece. I can't imagine the players you bring to that. Like, there's almost to me, sounds like something people would boycott playing over. And there's already been NFL players who have said, you know what, I may just not play if I'm going to risk my teammates not getting their money, especially some of the wealthier stars who already have their money. They don't want to cause their teammates who aren't yet multi-million dollar athletes, you know, to lose their much smaller paychecks because they weren't vaccinated and they caused this whole thing to happen. So. This kind of comes back to this idea that the NFL, you know, as a corporation, as a commercial enterprise, they're creating these rules about a very, very personal kind of behavior, right? I mean, whether you agree with it or not, personal health information is one of the most sacred pieces of information in all of privacy concerns and federal law. And for them to sort of try to force everyone in the NFL to get vaccinated by threatening to cancel games and then not pay anyone is a little odd. It seems like almost over the top because they don't do that for the flu. They don't do that for chicken pox, you know, or mumps or anything, cancer, or even, I mean, I've never heard of that for something like AIDS, you know, and whatever your thoughts are on COVID or not, what you can say for pretty dang sure is that the type of people, the demographic of NFL athletes probably are the least risk group of COVID, right? You know, unless someone's playing with some sort of genetic anomaly that's been undiagnosed up to this point, well-conditioned humans in their 20s and 30s are at super low risk of COVID, like lower than the flu. At least, I mean, that's, like I said, we can, whatever the statistics are and what your belief is on, on them is one thing, but that is what, if we take the statistics at face value, 20-year-olds, 20 to 35-year-olds, which is probably 95%, of NFL players without any kind of other condition, diagnosed or undiagnosed, are almost at zero risk of COVID. 
Um, and in fact, the flu probably actually is more dangerous to that group than COVID is. Now, that being said, you might have people in the building who like janitors and equipment types and other people who are older, um, you know, and, and as people get older, not only are they older and their bodies are just generally weaker, but you develop conditions over time. Also, you know, a lot of older people did smoke cigarettes, you know, back in the day and maybe still do. And that is a huge contributing factor to how your body reacts to COVID, at least in terms of respiratory distress and things like that. So, you know, there may be elevated risk to people other than NFL players. Um, you know, but again, it, this is weird because taken at face value, with statistics, even viewed in the light most dangerous, risk of COVID illness to this age group of NFL players is super low. Super low. Which is why a lot of them don't want to get the vaccine in the first place because they're not at risk. It's, you know, it's a different story if someone's 65, right? Or 75, 55. But, you know, a 28-year-old who's literally world-class physical shape you know, who can run 600 yards at a full sprint and, you know, not even be breathing that hard, their respiratory situation is fine. Right? They're not compromised. And, you know, you may remember Eric Berry from the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He got literally cancer and was going through, you know, chemotherapy or radiation treatment or whatever. And he's doing push-ups in the hospital while he's on chemo. To like stay in shape and keep his body mass. I mean, that's how NFL athletes and like he came back from cancer and was good. Played just like he, he was. And where a lot of people go through radiation treatment, chemotherapy, and they're never the same, right? There is just when you keep your body in that kind of shape, with that kind of health, and you know, obviously having the money to eat well, to train well, and you know, the the lack of stress that you might be able to achieve from that super helpful for your, you know, your well-being, you can come back from chemotherapy and still be a world-class athlete again, which is crazy. But it just goes to show that NFL athletes are not really at risk, right? I don't know if any of them, if there's even been one that's even been hospitalized for it. I would imagine if there was, it's probably an overweight type, you know, maybe a really big offensive lineman, defensive lineman, probably an older version. You do see a lot of offensive linemen who do have conditions, generally probably because they're overweight, but they're required to be overweight for their, you know, for their position and whatnot. But it's usually them who have some sort of heart problem, um, you know, blood clots, different things like that. You, I, I feel like you see it, you know, offensive linemen more than you see it in other positions. Um, then again, people with those conditions who aren't offensive linemen, they might not just ever make it to the NFL. But anyway, so the point is now you have a corporation, right, and they're starting to enforce these healthcare matters on one particular disease, on one particular vaccine. And it's really hard to believe that it's not political in nature, right? The NFL has been really criticized a lot, you know, in the last 10, 15 years over suicides and domestic violence caused by, you know, brain injuries and things like that. They've been scrutinized for all of that kind of stuff. They lost some lawsuits or they settled some lawsuits, whatever. Then you had, um, you know, 
the diversity, for coaching and all of that kind of social pressure. You obviously had the Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling and the Black Lives Matter whole situation. Then you get into COVID and you had the mask issues, right? Like the NFL's trying to satisfy state governments by having everybody wear masks, but you know, the NFL players by and large just really didn't give a shit, to be honest with you. And some of them got in trouble. And by in trouble, I mean they got fined and you know, they weren't allowed to play and things like that. You know, and back then I think there was a little bit more of a leniency that you could look on the NFL and be like, come on. The states weren't even going to let them play games. Like some of these states were requiring people to literally wear masks while they're sprinting out on a field, like in the outdoors, in the open. I mean, regardless of what your opinion is on this, I don't think any reasonable person can, you know, not acknowledge that there was some overkill and some ridiculous nonsense that went on with masks in certain situations, right? And a lot of that, right, was a knee-jerk reaction to the resistance to masks and whatever. Like I said, I'm not going to go down that triggering thing right now because there's a whole bunch of... I don't want to trigger, you know, people to just turn a blind eye to, to this thought experiment that's really about corporations forcing people into very personal decisions that a government wouldn't be able to and doing it for political reasons, you know? And so you know, one viewpoint would that be that because they're doing it for political reasons, that generally the political state of any government, federal or state, is basically pressuring an organization like the NFL to do what it wants to be done, which is to get a maximum amount of people vaccinated. That's what the president has said. That's what the government's trying to be doing. Um, and they haven't achieved their goals. And, and one of the things are, you know, they like to have professional athletes do is lead the charge. Some athletes have. Some have been like, no, nah, I don't want it. I'm not getting it. Uh, and so that's what I really wanted to discuss was using that coercive effect of withholding money, which is essentially like taxing, right? Or penalizing, requiring a license, whatever you want to call it. You know, it is a coercive measure to force a personal decision on a subject that seems to be highly politically motivated and only for that reason. Um, right? And so go back to last year. We get it. The states were requiring a lot of things, and the way that the NFL works, if they run afoul of the state governments, then um, the games could be shut down. They just would let it happen. Like That's just what the states do. And having said that, it just occurred to me that I wouldn't be surprised at having the NFL say this and send this memo out, that you're not going to see some state legislatures at least introducing some laws into their sessions that say that prohibit businesses in their state from withholding pay from people for not getting vaccinated. Like that would be such an easy thing for Texas to do. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if that comes up, um, in some state legislators and see what happens. And, and then what is the NFL going to do then? Right. They're going to not have games in those States. Right. So now we get back to this thing that we were talking about earlier there's moving events by corporations due to political things right a government is disagreeing with their viewpoint and so they're going to move things to a state that has a government that is going to align with them 
for whatever reason. And it's really hard to know what the NFL's viewpoint is on this. I do think, you know, there is a monetary commercial argument for them to say, look, this isn't about personal decisions. It's not about control. It's about reducing liability and making sure that there aren't any states that shut us down. And by shut us down, I mean not allowing 80 to 100,000 people in a stadium, you know, because some of the players aren't vaccinated. Now, obviously, not all states would do that, you know, and this is where we kind of get into that partisan thing, right? Some states, they really want to enforce the mandate or a, fa- a mask mandate or something like that. Or, a, you know, we haven't seen vaccine mandates yet. Um, I've heard some rumblings that some of those may be expected to start being attempted once there's formal FDA approval of the vaccines. That's going to create a firestorm and we'll have to see how that plays out. And you're going to have a very complicated situation where some states are going to require vaccination and some aren't. And now you got states against states, peoples against peoples. And are we not, you're not going to be able to travel between different states. I mean, what if you're on the highways, which is you know, some kind of weird federal jurisdiction versus state jurisdiction, you know, and obviously the, the federal government doesn't really have a mandate to enforce mass or they would have done a long time ago. And so how does that, you know, how does that work? And, and if we see that coming out of a formal FDA approval of vaccine, you know, what do these corporations do? You know, and I just wanted to focus on the NFL because this was, it was topical and it's recent and it really just triggered, like, I mean, this feels like an overreach to the NFL to me, and it almost seems like it's symbolic. It's almost like NFL knows this isn't going to fly, probably, right? So, like, I mean, if the state of Texas says, nah, yeah, nah, NFL, you're not withholding pay from someone who works in our state because they're not wearing a mask, sorry, I don't care what kind of private organization you are, that's not going to happen. Then any games that are played in, you know, the two, you know, franchises in Texas, um, that rule is going to be, you know, thrown out. It's not going to be able to be enforced as the NFL wants it to be. Now, um, sometimes people can contract around state law, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't collectively bargained. And right, states have a lot more power when it comes to that than the federal government does. And so that's interesting uh, to kind of see how this might play out and whether that happens. And that's kind of one why I wanted to talk about it now. Sometimes it's fun to have these thought experiments, see what we think is going to happen. And then now let's see if it does happen or what does happen and see if we can predict at all based on our understanding of sort of the, the way that society is right now. And so, um, I guess I can leave it at that and, you know, we'll follow up with another episode later, see how this plays out. Um, hopefully, you know, I don't record this and then the NFL comes out tomorrow and just wipes their ass with their memo and changes it or says it's being interpreted wrong or something else. But I just don't see how this doesn't cause some craziness out there. Um, and when you have some stars saying, yeah, maybe I'm just not going to play this year, then now they're hitting back at the NFL. Well, you want to penalize my whole team because of my personal decision, because you're afraid it's going to cost you money. Well, then I'm just going to cost you money up front by not giving you the ability to put my name um, in a game that you're televising. And so you're going to lose that star power. You're going to lose the draw and my team is going to be worse. And it's going to make fans less want, 
you know, want to watch football less, but all my guys are still going to get paid. And so, um, you know, let's see how that plays out. And, you know, if any drastic developments come, then I'll make a, make another episode of it, or we'll just wait and see how kind of this vaccine goes. See if there's any other corporations that jump into this. I haven't heard, um, of anything else really like this yet. That's not to say it's not out there. I haven't really had my ear to the ground for this kind of thing. You know, I've been waiting for vaccine requirements. We've seen it in other countries. We've seen countries push back. We've seen marches, right, in France and whatnot. So, I mean, there's, it doesn't matter what country you're in. There are people almost equally on both sides of this vaccine equation, right? It's, and motions run high. And like, I'm not going to get into science right now. Like so that's for another day, but it's not something that's probably going to end easily, calmly, or with everybody being satisfied. And so how corporations deal with this is going to be interesting because they're in this weird moment of society where they want to look like they're appealing to the greater good, right? They want to support democracy. They want to support social justice. They want to do all these things. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who don't agree with their positions that are buying their products and keeping them in business. So a fine line to walk. And kind of back to my point earlier, corporation really has got to feel like they're on strong footing, like they got enough power that they can just piss off, you know, one group that disagrees with this area that has a large number of people, because if they just start boycotting that company or is not going to them anymore, you know, that's going to hurt their bottom line. And under business law, they can actually all get sued by their shareholders for doing this if it causes them to actually lose money in the long run. So curious to see how it plays out. Um, as always, thanks for listening. I, there actually is a few people that seem to be listening to this and a few followers. So I want to say thanks to everyone. You know, if I get enough more, um, that seems like people are going to continue to listen on a regular basis. I may do some things to maybe open up um, a way for some listeners to ask questions or throw out some suggested, some suggested topics or something like that. So uh, more to follow and uh, I'm out.